This is the Enthusiasts Guild, a place for conversations about wonderful and interesting things with the people who enjoy them. I'm Fletcher C. Finch. And I'm Adam Zaremski. And today we're talking about Manhattans. I'm looking forward to this one. I think I have a Manhattan in my hand. Do you? <laughs> you I like that you think you have a Manhattan in your hand. <laughs> what, uh, uh, I, what sort of Manhattan do you have? I used a typical recipe with the two rye, one vermouth, and some bitters. And I have the, the cherry in there with a little ice. That sounds really good. It is. How about you? I have a, a Manhattan as well. I do not currently have an open rye, but I do have a very nice bullet bourbon. And so I made a, a bourbon Manhattan. Two parts bourbon, one part sweet vermouth, a cherry. I stirred mine with ice and then strained it into a chilled cocktail glass, which actually isn't the way I usually have a Manhattan. I, I usually like mine on the rocks, but I, I was looking up recipes before, and this seems to be the the more standard approach to a Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned the bullet. I did go with bullet as well, but it's the the rye version. Ooh. I do find I'm I'm kind of curious what you think because you mentioned you're you don't have an open rye at the moment. Mm-hmm. I do find when I make Manhattans at home, I kind of go cheap. Do you? Yeah, I, I almost find that I like I've got some Evan Williams I'll buy because I I enjoy a Manhattan. I enjoy what it I like the punch it kind of gives you after a little bit. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the flavoring, and but sometimes with adding mixing with the vermouth and bitters and ice kind of waters it down. I guess I don't mind having just a simple Evan Williams. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. I'd, I'd say I usually go the other way where if I'm bothering to to mix a drink, but for one thing, I, I do usually use rye when I'm when I'm making a Manhattan. I don't know of a cheap rye that I really like, so bullet just tends to be my my standard rye. It's a good choice. Yeah, I can't think of too many. Yeah, mostly it's the cheap bourbons mm-hmm. that I'll dip into. But then if I go to a restaurant. And you get a good Manhattan, you know, I'm thinking 189. Oh. That's really good. And so every so often I do contemplate using one of these really good ryes we have here. And I'm just like, uh, <laughs> no, I want to just drink the rye. I just want to flavor that, just savor that. So it's kind of a, a weird balance. That's always the challenge for me with a, a good liquor and a cocktail is do I want to bother mixing it? Like, shouldn't I just enjoy it as it is? <laughs> But I, I find with a Manhattan, it, you just get that interesting blend. And, and like rye, like you said, that punch and that that spiciness that you get to it. Mm-hmm. And I find that the vermouth just kind of, not mellows that out, but but makes it so I want to sip it more. You, you mentioned the sweet vermouth. Is that your go-to style? Mm-hmm. And I saw, I was fast. Sorry, I was just having a sip of my Manhattan as you <laughs> you know asked. I'm going to do a uh, sip yeah. too. Uh, sweet vermouth is definitely my go-to. <laughs> I do occasionally enjoy a, a perfect Manhattan, so it's uh, half and half with uh, sweet vermouth and dry vermouth. Okay. And I find especially if I have a sweeter a sweeter whiskey, so like bourbon, I'd be more likely to have a perfect bourbon Manhattan than most of the rye ones, just because bourbon has so much sugariness in itself. You know, that might explain why when we do go with the cheaper, the cheaper bourbons, I, uh, we do have the dry vermouth and I, mm-hmm. we've seemed to have favored that. And it was interesting when I was looking up, you know, again, the history of the Manhattan and where it's from and then seeing 
sweet vermouth is the way to go. And I was like, oh, really? Like normally mm-hmm. it does seem too sweet with the bourbon and then sweet vermouth. And so occasionally I get that, but for the most part, it's, I like the dry. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. And I've, I've had some really delicious Manhattans that you've made. So I, uh, I second your approach. Oh, that means a lot. Thank you. <laughs> now you were talking about 189 before. And uh, again, I just adore their Manhattans. Their Manhattans are fantastic. But one of the, the things about their Manhattans is that they do make them on the rocks. If, if you just order a Manhattan, it'll be a rye Manhattan, but it will be on the rocks. And I know uh, just looking things up, that's not the, the standard Manhattan. And um, it's not, I, I enjoy it that way, but I, I was, I was curious what your thought is on, on rocks versus not. I guess I'm surprised. Cause I, I, I think when I do have the Manhattan, most of the time it is on the rocks, but I guess, so they would probably have it mixed in a drink or the, the cold cup to get it to that mm-hmm. coolness. Cause I'm thinking like Tony Rome's, uh, mm-hmm. one eighty nine where they have the, you can often get the big giant where you can have the big giant <laughs> ice cube. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I think I prefer, I like the, on the rocks. I like as it kind of melts away, uh, smoothens out the drink a little bit, you know, in the beginning you have the nice, not bite, but the flavors more. But then as it goes along, it's, oh, ooh, it's kind of softer. Yeah. And that's, I, I have a couple of those, those giant ice makers. And what I like about a Manhattan with, with one of those is you also don't feel any rush then to, you're not hurrying through the drink. Like one of the things I like about that at 189 is you can just sit down, sip on your Manhattan and have a conversation. And, you know, if it takes you, a while to get through it that's not a problem and they you know those are fairly strong drinks too and so i don't i don't mind a, a little bit more uh, more water in that right we uh did you learn anything in this project while trying to discover more about the manhattan you know it's an early cocktail but i thought of it as kind of a depression era or prohibition era cocktail and i was interested to find out that it's been around longer than that yeah the late 1800s i think 1870s I saw I looked up some of the the early recipes that you know you you can find different things online and I saw some recipes where they actually had where it's two parts vermouth to one part whiskey hmm it's interesting I wonder no that wasn't the was that the original then apparently in the 1880s that's when they were making them with more vermouth than whiskey but by the 1890s it had come more more closely to the the sort of manhattan that we see nowadays and and you'd see it referred to as the manhattan cocktail or or something like that you know while there was the time it had two vermouth one bourbon or whiskey that though pretty early on though it, it became two whiskey one vermouth dash of bitters and it's just stuck that way you know over 100 years oh yeah it's just this very simple thing it's kind of once you know the recipe, you know Manhattan. I always appreciate when when I'm at a bar, if I order a Manhattan and the bartender says, oh, would you like bourbon or rye? Or if they ask if I want it on the rocks or not. Because I, I think, like you said, there is kind of a, a standard Manhattan, but there are variations that you have that 
you know, different people enjoy it different ways. It shows they, they appreciate a good one or they understand that there's a difference. Mm-hmm. It's a good part to understand. You know, I never really given it any thought. It's just part of it, but the vermouth. Like what do you know anything about vermouth? I know literally nothing about vermouth. <laughs> I literally pulled up the Wikipedia page on vermouth just to see, and it's an uh, f- aromatized fortified wine flavored with various botanicals like roots, barks, flowers, seeds, herbs, and spices, and sometimes colored. And it was first produced in the mid to late 18th century in Turin, Italy. It was actually used for medicinal purposes. And I love how many different liqueurs or, or things that we think of now as mixers were used for medicinal purposes. <laughs> like even, even bitters were used for medicinal purposes. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, a friend of mine uh, occasionally will, will go through a period where he'll he'll be avoiding alcohol so he won't be drinking beer and he won't be drinking cocktails but the exception that he allows himself is that he will have a soda with bitters really and yeah i i tried it out because i i was curious about that and i found that you get a sense for just how many flavors are in there do you recall the first time you had a manhattan i i can deduce better than I can remember. <laughs> and I would say it was during my early journalism days at a convention for journalists. I, I think that you were there with me at that event. Is that when you, wow. Yeah, previous to that, I'd been more of a martini man. Yeah. And I, I want to say, I can't really recall. I, I probably have to attribute it to you, Fletcher, as far as how I started drinking that head. Really? Yeah, I can't really recall. It just, I do associate a Manhattan with you. And that's a good thing. I, I am so deeply honored right now. <laughs> 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 I, I like those traditional cocktail recipes that are a few ingredients simply made. And, and like you said, once you've learned it, you know how to make that, that cocktail. Mm-hmm. You can go anywhere and say to someone Manhattan and you can be at a party and someone says, Oh, how do you make that? And it's just, this is it. That's all it is. And I'm thinking about it and I don't know that I've had a bad Manhattan. Like I I, I should say I haven't had a disgusting or or distasteful Manhattan. I've had watery Manhattans some places or stronger, better ones, other places, but I, I don't recall ever ordering a Manhattan and, wishing that I had ordered something else. That's a fascinating thing. I wonder, (laughs) do you think maybe some of it is due to just the deliciousness of the drink or (laughs) the general alcohol? Because you're mixing quite a lot together. Um, Yeah, I I think it's the deliciousness of the drink. Definitely. And and like you said there, I think with something with so few ingredients, you tend not unless you're using a really terrible whiskey you're probably not going to have a bad mix and i want to agree with that too because i've used some really terrible whiskeys like again i go the cheap (laughs) route i'll go to the liquor store and find the cheap i try to keep it so the whiskey's at least in a glass bottle but occasionally i'll go to the plastic section of things just because it's a little lower priced and I know it'll last long. And again, I'm looking at it like, oh, I just want 
I guess a little bit of the flavoring and then the impact, but I don't, yeah, I don't think I can recall saying, Oh, this Manhattan is terrible where a beer or a wine. <laughs> I have just, Nope, I'm not drinking this. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely encountered that before. Huh. So when, when I was a kid, the only time we ever had maraschino cherries were when my mom's class that she taught would have an ice cream social and she would bring home the leftovers. (laughs) And so we'd have maraschino cherries then, or like maybe for somebody's birthday party, but they were always just a special occasion thing. And so when I moved into my first apartment, one of the first things that I bought was uh, a jar of maraschino cherries because I thought I'm an adult. I have my own place. I can have maraschino cherries whenever I want. And since since that day, literally since the day that I moved into my first apartment on my own, I have never lived in a house that did not have maraschino cherries. Do you ever have it without a drink? So I, I have some of those alcohol infused cherries and occasionally I will have those without a drink. But otherwise, they're they're mostly just there for my Manhattans or, or other mixed drinks. I really like that. I guess I feel like it is kind of an older person drink. And mm-hmm. so there's been times I come home and we'll make one, you know, we'll have dinner and I will purposely go sit down in the rocking chair with the Manhattan while the kids are going around. And my wife will say, what are you doing? I'm like, I just wanted to pretend to, it was like the 1950s or something for a moment where I'm sitting in my rocking chair, kids are playing I'll pretend to read the newspaper. It lasts for two minutes. Um, and then I get up and go do what I need to do. But it does seem like a, a drink you have and you just kind of can sit back. I know we'll make it together. Uh, my wife and I will just kind of have them for an evening and watch a movie or something. It's kind of a nice way to just, I don't know, unwind. I think that there there can be something almost ceremonial about preparing yourself a drink that way. Ooh. It's a good thought. The ceremonial aspect. Having a a cocktail that you mix for yourself, to me at least, is very different than cracking open a beer. Sure. You know, unless unless I'm cracking open a homebrew I made or wine, it's still something like this is the finished product. And I merely, you know, there's creation involved and steps. But with the with the Manhattan. Every time you do it, there's this moment where you're kind of creating something. That's pretty cool. You may have seen this about this this island where the, the Manhattan is, is kind of your standard or typical drink. Oh, I don't recall. It's a, a Frisian island in the north of Germany. And I, I believe the island is pronounced uh, for or für. Well done. My, my German is non-existent. <laughs> but basically, it's, it's this uh, island in the north of germany on you know out on the cold sea the the manhattan is your your standard drink at the bars there at at people's homes there it's just typical to have a manhattan after your meal and this uh this bbc article goes into some they they did some nice nice research on this about how basically from the the 1800s when there were whaling ships the people from this island would emigrate to the u.s and work there work on whaling ships um or settle settle in new york city and then either come home or communicate with their families back 
on on the island and at some point one of the uh, one of the islanders who had been in new york and came back brought the manhattan with them now i was talking about this bbc article i know that there was an esquire article that you read can you can you tell me about what you read about the manhattan yeah i mean it was when we were kind of talking about this i came across it it's it's very quick and i think it's more of an advertorial you'd call it where it's an advertisement but written by the editorial department and uh, trying to market certain whiskeys or uh, vermouths which is fine it was just over the top ridiculous describing a manhattan about how it like punches you in the face almost how it you know it's a superman's drink which is just ridiculous like it it just kind of went off the rails it's a manhattan you know it's a it's a great drink. It's kind of an every person's drink. I think, you know, my wife loves them. Uh, I've actually, when we go on family vacations, I've had started a couple of years ago bringing this stuff to make them. And my parents, they always would kind of go, oh, no, that's too strong. But when you're sitting in a beach house and you're not going anywhere, they're like, sure. And they've come to enjoy them. And I guess I just read that article and it just rubbed me the wrong way by how they're describing it in this over-the-top manner. Like, it's a, it's two parts of a whiskey, bourbon, rye. It's one part of a vermouth, which is a fairly cheap liqueur, and some bitters, and then a garnish. Like, it's, it's not something to be deified or glorified. I mean, maybe, but in some aspects, it's just a good thing. And it, I don't know. It annoyed me. Did you have any thoughts on that article? They were making it unnecessarily exclusive and prescriptivist, saying like, here's here's what a, a Manhattan is, and here's the only way to do it, and here's the only person who can enjoy it. So it was simultaneously kind of exclusive and, and almost that, that worst sort of fandom that you see where, where you say, oh, you can only like this thing if you like it the way I like it. And it was also kind of this hyper-masculine language all around it. Right. But also, I, I think that's a lot of what I dislike the most when it comes to to talking about drinks and talking about bartending is, is when people say, there's one way to do it, there's my way, it's the only way, and if you do it another way, it's wrong. Agreed. And what you were describing to, I think, is so you, you did a great job putting the words into my mouth because sometimes it's just not. <laughs> so thank you. I. Yeah, it was almost like a hipster attitude, too. And I will say, I don't know. I will clarify that I said manly man's drink. I don't really recall, but it had that impression behind it. I just think it's something to be enjoyed with friends. You go out to a bar. It's nice. You can chat with people and you're just going to be sitting there for a little while. You come home. It's a relaxing drink at the end of the day. I, I kind of want to jump onto that a little bit with some of what I, I'm hoping to do with the Enthusiasts Guild and, and why that's even the name that, that I chose. Because to me, an enthusiast is the opposite of, of a hipster. To me, an, an enthusiast is somebody who enjoys a thing and they want to share that thing because of how much they enjoy it. And they, they want other people to enjoy it too. And they're not trying to be exclusive you're trying to be inclusive. And that's, that's part of what I'm hoping to do with this podcast. That's 
the guiding philosophy, I guess, behind this is let's identify things that people enjoy, that people are enthusiastic about and help share that with a wider audience. It's a good way to put it. I don't have anything more to say about the Manhattan, do you? I don't know why. When I typed in the search bar, I typed Manhattans with an S at the end. And uh, the first thing that came up is an American R&B vocal group that I never knew about from the 1970s. I just thought I would share that, that there was a band out there called the Manhattans. They did well. They they had, you know, top hits. Had you ever heard of them before? I had not. If anyone wants to share details on the group, I'd love to hear more top songs that they enjoyed. So I'll put that out there. And I guess, yeah, that's all for me on the Manhattan drink and the group. Have you finished your Manhattan yet? I did. I just consumed the cherry. I'm probably going to go down and see if my wife would like one too and have number two, but it'll probably be the last one. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Enthusiasts Guild. You can subscribe and hear all our episodes through your podcast player of choice. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Enthusiasts Guild. I'm Fletcher C. Finch. I'm Adam Zaremski. Thank you for joining us. The music this episode is Whiskey on the Mississippi by Kevin McLeod and Compadec.com, used under a Creative Commons license. 